RPG MP3 and the Pencilist Gamers are proud to present The World of Tropis, Episode 31, Revelations of the Past. On the world of Tropis. We have bitter spite extract, and that is the only thing that can reveal who is the Fae. The wind rustles for the trees, caressing their emerald foliage with the gentlest of touches. The warmth of the overly large sun bathes all. In the azure sky, unknown alien birds flutter by. Their zigzagging passage, causing them to travel in directions none can predict. Trees in circle, this location we find ourselves once more in. And in the center is a long grassy table, at the head of which is a figure most gangly in presentation, with clothing a splattering of colors that would offend even the most insane senses. This figure has a long face almond-shaped eyes, wild hair, and sharp teeth. Along the table, a number of very familiar figures can be seen. Roland, the Dominosian, Alexia, the Cambian, Briar Moss, the knight from Pendragoon, Andrews, he who was sent by the court of young Kadath to aid the company in their arrival here. Yet all is not as it seems as the company discuss this and that with their most fey host. For in the trees, one bird is not at flight. Summoned here in unusual form by the whim of the Fey King himself, the bird, as ordered, simply watches the scene unfold. So, now that you know where you must go, are you ready to leave, or will ye tarry, and what questions do ye have of the road ahead?" The faking asks, placing his hands together and smiling a wicked smile. 
Alexia hesitantly raises her hand a bit and just speaks up softly. Um, how, if we are to will ourselves there, I, I really don't understand how to do that, but how are we to stay together? You'll see. The Dreamlands has a way of understanding people. People want and what people need. Roland speaks up. But let me guess. What you want isn't always what you need. Isn't it always? Where is this... I forgot what you called it. Um, The beast that you mentioned earlier? The Cathan. Drew oh, yeah. Helpfully. Yeah, you said something about that. Um, about sand? I um, don't remember. Oh. Uh, I mentioned a Cathan. I spoke not of a Cathan, not once. I remember mentioning sand, uh, but you'll have to remember that yourself. As for the Cathan, well, the faking shrugs and grins that wicked grin once more. No creature <sighs> by that name resides in my land. And what if we die? What if we die in the dreamland? Ah, question I have already prepared for, and I. But I was wondering, when you'd actually get round to the asking, you ask what happens if you die here. Well, have you ever heard of a man dying in his sleep? Well, yeah, I never actually met anyone who knows anyone else who died in their sleep. I just, well, hearsay, rumors of myth. Is it? Ask Melody there, the Fae King says, pointing to the young girl at the end of the table. The unchained Melody. Ask her. She's awake and dreaming. Come, Melody. Come, you untrained creature of dance. Tell us, are ye awake and dreaming? Pardon? You'll have to... Oh, sorry, there was a fish in my vision. Could you please repeat the query? My question stands as answered. Alexia leans towards Roland a bit and whispers, These people are very confusing. Got no argument there. So, which way is to the dream gate? <laughs> Why? Why are you asking? We're already there. The company of the Fae King vanishes. They were there as if never there. The table is gone, and the Fae King is standing, relaxing upon a grassy throne. He strokes his chin, tapping the point of his finger. His smile rather malevolent. So, my feathered Druce, will you be joining me today? He asks motioning his hand towards the feathered fiend who'd been previously watching the ongoing events from trees. As commanded. And Drews uh, flaps his wings a bit and uh, flutters down to perch on the end of the table, conspicuously ignoring the breadcrumbs. No doubt you're wondering why I brought you here. The Fae King says, a shimmer of light 
from the sun catching upon his face. Ooh, but of course, um, what would be unusual and surprising would be if I'm actually to be told. For once, my little friend, yeah. For a task most dramatic do I have for you. Did you see one member of the company that just passed through our glorious kingdom? I saw all of them that I could see, my lord. Ah, excellent. Then you'll have noticed that one of those company would have been very much you, sitting there, silent as always. I had wondered. I, I do need to do something with that chin. It, it looks a little weak. Hmm. Well, allow me to explain. The wees are changing here in the court of young Kadaf. The power twists and turns much like the Aether itself. And we begin to wonder where that leaves us. My queen goes with those merry little folk. And as do you, my most prized servant. You have done much for the court. Much indeed. And I find myself wondering what more it may be that I must ask of you. I will have you go to a place the humans call Menta. A place that will be remembered perhaps from you by birth. For it was there that you came from and there that your tree lingers. I will have you go there and you will bring them to me. But on the way, should you so happen to do so, I would like you to stop by a mutual friend of ours, the mentor wife. When you arrive at my court once more, I will have you seen her dead. Her heart has been broken by the realization that fate cannot be escaped. It's become black and twisted, like the woods she resides in. You will burn her to the ground before the realization even occurs. Will you do this for me? As you command. Good. And, and Drus you know, bows his beak to the table. Good. But I will have you do those things. But I will not be having you do them. You have somebody waiting for you. I shall leave, and she shall enter. But understand this union of courts is exactly as planned, and that fate must be upheld. Do as she says, but mind how you do it. As always. And with that, the Fey King spreads his arms and turns into a great bird fluttering up into the sky, disappearing a few later, a few minutes later, to a bright 
Darkness comes to the court of young Kadaf with the leaving of its king. The trees tilt their um, branches, raising them high in a most benign fashion. Even the, gra even the glass, even the grass seems to take a sharp edge, and clouds fill the sky. Into such a scene stands a tall woman. Her eyes shimmering like emeralds, her face and skin like a well-carved alabaster statue, and the wings behind her glitter in most fey stereotypes. The end of each hand, the fingertips extend to sharp claws, literally the flesh itself changing. And she always seems to have this odd grin upon her face. She eyes Jerus in bird form instantly, and with swaying hips approaches. The Unsealy Queen raises her arm the wind blowing her dress as like a wing as she extends her hand towards the sparrow. Come, Juice. Do not be shy. Druce, uh, having been commanded that he must not be shy, um, spreads his wings and fluffs his tail out a bit and, uh, Flits up and uh, and lights in her hand. The unsealy queen coos at him for a bit as she enjoys the feathers on his wings and back. But then she gets down to business. I have a proposal for you, if you'll hear it. Chirp. I mean, uh, of course, of course. If you would do this thing for me, for both our courts, then I believe that an ascension to a new throne might be in the offering. You see, there's a spy within our courts. Winter and summer, they spy this new throne too, but what I really would like you to do is to journey with these new companions that you'll discover as you go about the Seely King's business. What think you? Do you believe that you're up to this task? I've not been given one yet that uh, I haven't been able to. Good, good. Now, what you must do is make sure that your newfound companions do not die while on their journey. All of them? Well, yes, most of them. Um, and you must remember that to escape fate... The child of Roland must not live. 
Drews cocks his bird head to the side a bit at that, but uh, says nothing. So while you are journeying, you must discover how to do these the separate things to keep your companions alive but not allow this child to live. Do you understand? Yes, my lady. And um, should the spy be discovered? That is up for you to discover. As my lady wishes. And Druce does a very uh, Disney-esque bird bow as he spreads his wings and dips his head. Druce looks up from the ground in a village far, far away. The screams of the terrified peasants ringing in his ears as the Victalians flee this way and that, grabbing loved ones. The dreamlike state they were in shattered of the emergence of the Shridai. There is a tension in the air, all too palpable. He can feel it in his sinuses, a constant throbbing in his mind. The ether storm is close. He looks to Roland and then to his other companions. As they stand there, stand there speaking to a blacksmith as he utters revelations most interesting. It crosses Drus's mind, perhaps just for an instant or perhaps more, about all that he has been through with his companions and how yet still secrets remain. He looks at Carolyn for a moment. One particular secret still in his mind, but he refuses to state it now, knowing that now is not the time. So you're telling us that you are one of the Ordo Daemonis? I am indeed. Many a year have I stayed in this village, biding my time for just such an event. The demon is weakened, and yet it shall grow strong. We do not have much time. Are you all ready? Are you with me? We must enter this unholy site, track down this vile spawn of darkness, and strike it down while it recovers. Whilst I like your fury, I suppose, Gareth says, rubbing his bearded chin. I wonder about the wisdom in it. How can us few take on a demon? Well now. The smith rubs his jaw, his fingers grating against the coarse stubble. You see, the bitter spiked extract has slowed this field. It is, uh, how would you best put it? Weakened. No, not so much weakened as, uh, 
slurried, stirring in a great pit of mud, as if every movement for it is reduced to our level. Were we to face it under normal circumstances, we would not stand a chance to catch this creature. When it has recovered, it will be too late for us. Time is of the essence. If we move, I can tell you what you'll need to do. Okay. What the devil's that? Comes a cry from uh, one of the peasantry pointing towards the lake. The water itself seems to boil. As out of the waves, skeletal figures stride. Their armor is tattered, mostly removed by the time and water that they've been submerged in. Those of you with military experience can easily tell you're looking at a hundred or so years ago. They march with uniformed ease, and what remains of their heraldry reveals them to be from at least four or five different uh, companies. They march out of the water and form up on its edge, whilst in the distance a great figure lurches out of the water, letting out a bestial cry. There is an almost human element to the cry from this beast in the water. One of the peasants cry out, THE BEAST! THE BEAST! And all hell breaks loose. In response, the ringing of steel can be heard as Moss draws his sword. Oh. A slight grin to his face. Oh, sneezes of the false gods, how I hate the walking dead. Come in here. One of the undead states. We stand here against the Shreddai. Let these undead foes fall. And with that, this skeletal army sets upon the living. Grasping Moss by the arm, Vasco the Smith pulls hard towards the door of the church. Come, man, do not face these fiends. It is but trickery. There is no time for this. The beast will not be faced here. It is not upon the lake, but down within. You saw it enter yourself, man. Now come on, move. Moss pulls his scrap, pulls from the grip. Looks to the rest of the party. Should we take both fronts or? If you want to go your own way and be an idiot, you're quite welcome to, but I have to agree with Vasco. So are we to let the living die? We cannot help them, Victor states, looking to his mistress for um, reassertion. As much as I would love to end the unnatural life of these foul undead, I'm afraid the Shredai is the far greater threat here. Leave them. In the eyes of the foes, they are already dead. Friends. Have no time. Friends, if we, if we stand here debating too much... Too much more the uh, ether storm will ensure that none of it is a problem. Then let's Natalia. move. Natalia had already moved to stand closer to the temple and behind Victor to 
allow him to face the undead if they are to rush them. But she uh, also loose her bow and prepares it just in case. Come, let us go. Grasping at arms and elbows, shoving and pushing, hauling and bellowing, the smith orders the group towards the chapel. Come on, move. We must keep going. In there, and you, and you, go, go! Sir, sir, Vasco, says one of the um, militia rushing over. Sir, please, the men need you. We need your guidance, sir. Man, stand fast against the tide. Hold him off. The beast is below. I will kill your monster, but I need time. Vasco, please, we need your help. They're, they're dying out there. We cannot go against this, please. Then run, if that is what you wish. Do not waste my time. I have a monster to slay. Yeah, yes, sir. The man r- rushes over to one of the, one of the fallen guardsmen and grabs a horn off his back, uh, uh, off his belt. Come on, guys, men, let's get out of here. Let's get the hell out of here. Death the undead, says one of the um, undead skeletal warriors, thrusting with a ghastly grunt through the man's stomach. The man clutches the wound looking down to it his eyes then move pleadingly towards Vasco before he crumples to the ground another one fools for the theocracy says the skeletal warrior moving on to another knot of militia Natalia and Victor have faded back towards the steps of the temple and entered the main door looking and Looking around, she searches for some way to bar it once they're all entered. Boss will strap his uh, torch to his belt, pull out his shield, grip his sword, swing, swing. In the meantime, uh, Drus is is dividing his attention between uh, pulling pews and benches over to barricade the door and ducking under the swings of Boss's sword. If need be, guarding the door till all are within. Vasco steps inside and closes it behind him. Hammering upon the door can be heard. Please, let us in! Let us in, you cowards! Followed shortly after by screams and dying. A small group of peasantry move from the back of the church towards the front. Sir, what's going on out there? Asks a peasant woman, fiddling out her dress. Stay here. Stay here and you may survive. There is a creature in the crypts beneath the church which must be defeated, for it is a threat to us all. If you come with us, you shall perish. But if you wait here, you may yet be safe. As the beast is mentioned, its darkness seems to take the sanctuary. The flesh twists on the peasants' faces. Their backs arc and they howl as their jaws twist into bestial forms. Claws extend from their fingers and they begin prowling around you, taking bites and snaps as they do. The one that's that's transforming in front of Moss immediately gets a sword off the chest. Moss's sword impales the beast 
but still slashes and, cl and claws at his face. Drawing back his left fist, shield arm, punch to the face. The creature's head snaps back with the audible crack of bones, and it collapses, mewling on the floor. <laughs> Pulling out the sword, he chops off its head. <laughs> and then kicks it farther away from its body. Three more of the creatures storm forward, one heading for Drus, one for Roland, and the third for Carolyn Demetria. While Moss was taking care of the first one, uh, Roland uh, grabbed two fistfuls of ashes from his pouch and prepared a, a terra fio the spell explodes in Roland's face, sending ripples of ether manipulation about him. He is sent flying across the room, collapsing into a huddle unconscious. Uh, Carolyn would see Roland's spell fail, sending him flying across the room. She steps into the um, creature's path, um, thrusting her halberd at it. The halberd slices the beast clean in half. It cropples to the ground, intestines spilling out onto the wooden floor. However, the third one launches itself onto your back, clawing and scraping at your armor with ill effect. Demetria levels, levels her spear at the, at the beast and readies it, holding it steady. Back, thou beast, and lunges at it. The spear passes from flank to flank, just underneath the ribs. The creature topples off Car um, Carolyn, and the illusion is dispelled. The peasants you just slaughtered seem clearly on the floor. Vasco snarls, enough! Do not slaughter these innocents. These are not the foe we came to fight. Indeed, every moment we tarry, more people will die. We must hurry. Please lead the way, blacksmith, for I do not know the way. Just to let people know, Roland is still unconscious, so Carolyn will grab Roland and slap him a few times. Roland will stir under your administrations. Natalia. Gentle as always, I see. Well, if you get oh. off your ass, we can get moving, can't we? Now observe this fool well and learn from his mistake. A creature that lurks within can twist magic to its own end. Be wary how you use it. Natalia, having been watching the peasants with cold eyes, takes this slaughter of them with but a blank and says, At least these peasants will not be opening the door for their undead companions. No, my mistress. Shall we move? Yes. Victor nods his head and follows the company down the stairs towards the alcove. There before where I once stood an alcove with two statues, now lays shattered. The wall itself gone, the statues demolished. Druce may glance down to them and smile inwardly. The statue of the fake king and queen, well demolished. Before you is darkness. Stairs leading downwards. A foul stench assaulting your nostrils from within. A mixture of death, decay, and stale air. A mixture of wet and mildew. 
Are you sure there's not another way to reach the Shredai? Carolyn would back away from the entrance. Unless you have gills, this is the only way. Well, into the breach. Stay close and listen. And with that, Vasco sets off down the stairs at a steady pace. With a torch lit, I assume. His fingers tightly gripping the torch held in his hand. (laughs) Does someone at least have a torch that I can borrow? Or can I stand near them? Well, there is an ever-burning torch on my belt. Excellent, I'll be following you, Moss. (laughs) Yeah, I bet you regret giving him that. So badly. Fucking Dungeons and Dragons. You see, now, Danny, you know why I hated all of those stupid magic stuff people, magic pieces of equipment. Yeah, anyway, let's carry on. Now, that lake out there. Once there was a time, it was not a lake. It holds memories of when it was a quarry, where stone was dug out for buildings in the lands around here. Unfortunately, the Inquisition discovered a vile sorcerer practicing black arts deep within the quarry. He was hunted down and defeated, but something went wrong. The powers of the Inquisition were turned against them. Reality itself seemed to warp and ripple. And afterwards, the Shridai found its way into our world. There was a mine leading away from the quarry. We shall be entering it soon, for it lies beneath this very chapel. The Order of Demon Hunters. They came. They came to deal with that which had been unleashed. Are you with me so far? Uh, let me see. The Inquisition, uh, not knowing what it's doing, uh, sticks its nose in and messes something up. Yeah, I think we're up to speed. Yes, it's a familiar story, is it not? Now, bear this corner on the steps here. It's a little sharp and you could bump an elbow or bruise a rib on the wall. And mind the ceiling. Ow! Stupid ceiling. Well... Now then, the demon hunters came here to defeat, defeat this creature. And they met with a gypsy. I... I do not recall her name. The records do not speak of it. However, she informed them that aid would come to defeat the demon in three forms. Two from this world and one from another. Well, later that evening, two strangers appeared. They were confused as if lost and did not know their ways. Mind that puddle there, could be a mite slippy. Oh, yeah, I think that was my dog. Sorry. It would be. Carry on. Now, these two strangers 
Whilst they were lost, once informed of the situation, seemed to know exactly what they were doing. They offered their help. On the road to Khalil, the leader of the Order, Daemonis, was visited by a fey creature. All wet and rippling she was from the waters from which she came. She told him that she had struck a deal with a gypsy. She had angered her queen and had been cast out from her kingdom. She would be forced to remain in this world until she could find forgiveness. If the leader of the Order Demonis would speak up for her, then she could be freed. So that's what happened to her. Now, as you will see, we are approaching a short landing. Soon there will be another flight of steps. Just to interject, um, this corridor doesn't open out into a large space, does it? Not yet. Not yet. Well, that's comforting. Well, woman, this corridor leads to the mines that once led off from the quarry. It shall open up into larger caverns soon enough. You see, when miners work the ore, they must follow its trail, regardless of their original plans. Um, so, how much further? I would say a while yet. Perhaps a quarter of an hour before we reach this beast's likely lair. Though I could be wrong, and there may be troubles along the way. Um, I think it would possibly be more helpful to know uh, how to defeat the manner of dangers we're likely to meet on this journey. When facing the walking dead in these tunnels, have a care. When members of the Ordo Demonis struck from two directions in these tunnels, they came upon each other. And yet with its vile sorcery, it persuaded each group to believe that the other were the foul walking dead. Abominations that should be slain when those creatures attacked from the lake. Did you not hear one of them cry, Death to the undead? Why, in their eyes, the villagers were the walking, shambling flesh puppets. Those petty corpses that stood in their way that must be defeated. Just so were the villagers you slaughtered in the chapel's entrance. You know, we can, can uh, take a move on uh, a faster if we stop gabbing and start actually moving. That way, all those villagers don't lose their eyes for nothing. Well, I don't know what you're doing back there, but we're all walking as we're talking. Yes, but you can move faster if you talk less and start using your feet more. Walking and speaking simultaneously is a strange practice pioneered by people with an IQ above room temperature. Quit your moaning, knight. I want to hear what he has to say. Says Victor. No. No, I haven't fed Pop. Pop has not been fed. Yet my huge chunk of exposition shall continue. I must go AFK. When Vishridai was faced, a ritual was devised to trap and ensnare it, to bind it to the mine. And yet, somehow, it came upon those attempting the ritual. 
and was bound. It has managed to regain its freedom and can be bound no more. It must be slain. When it became clear, but the soldiers could not defeat the Shriddai alone, the water fairy flooded the mine to drown it and the quarry as well. The water bubbled up, filling the vast bowl in the earth, and thus the lake beside the village was born. Are you all now satisfied that you know of the origin of the lake? If so, when I will return to the matter at hand. Yes, please. Do you know what it? Yes. Now, the records are somewhat hazy. Once it became clear that those within the quarry could not be rescued. And so the leader... Would you like to collect your force you seem to be training off there? <clears throat> no, my throat's getting really dry. Drink water then it's not surprisingly the amount of talking you've been doing. Yeah, I know. I'm imagining him going down the corner explaining everything and then he gets like going <laughs> and, then he, and then he just offhand he's handed a glass of water and he goes <laughs> he hands no, no, a big no. small screen. <laughs> he's attacked and he doesn't get the chance to tell us how to kill the <laughs> Well in the original oh, yeah, plan he guys no Guys, in the original plan, before um, I decided that I was going to play Bay Vasco, he was actually killed at the bottom of the stairs. Yes. And should we meet? And should we meet with the Walking Dead? You must remember to. <laughs> <laughs> Pack him the pieces. Go kill him all. Oh no! I, I'm yeah. actually waiting for him to encounter a real one so he can point out that it's not real, then get killed by it. <laughs> and, and then, and then I, I just imagine everyone anyway, turning he, to Anyway, he will carry just on. stand there going, I disbelieve you. <laughs> carry on, people. Actually, no. I just had this image of. Um, rather than just a glass coming off screen, have you guys seen the Techno Viking video? No. no. Yeah. No. yeah that. <laughs> He's just walking along and then just sort of like reaches out, grabs a bottle of someone, has a drink, and passes it back. All with techno music. <laughs> yeah, whilst posing and pushing people around and stuff. Yeah, he's awesome, Techno Viking. Carry on. Once it became clear to those on the surface that they could not rescue those lost beneath the waves, they cursed the Fae binding her to the very spot where she had drowned so many of their number. Once she discovered I do not, binding... I, I, I sorry to interrupt, but I do not understand how this is at all relevant. Why do we care about some stupid fae? Do they fae even exist? We don't know. When she realized she had been betrayed and bound herself, she cursed the order. And her curse was that the Shriddai would once again find its freedom, never to be bound by the Order no more. So why didn't you just get someone else to bind it? Have you tried to bind a demon? No, but... Well, actually... Well, shut up then. (laughs) I'm sorry. We must kill this monster. It is a vile blight upon the land. You're repeating yourself. Be defeated. You arrive without before such weapons as that blade. There. You arrive before a doorway, Balgan. No, you walk into a doorway as you're talking, Balgan. 
this very door could herald me entrance to its sanctuary, though I know it does not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear God, I hate you all so much. Oh. Arrive in a doorway, he's still talking. Did you arrive there? Remind me never to give Balgan a talking role again. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, he should play a mute character. Okay. And <laughs> well, well, well re- I'll remind you not to give me a speaking role with such a small selection of notes. <laughs> uh, make it as you along. And, be- and, then, and then to tell me to deliver it all in one go when I was actually going to spread it out. Well, no, you could have spread it out. I said I'm leaving it up to you. I said I trusted you, you to do it. Did that? I did. <laughs> So I trusted you to do it oh, however yeah. you wanted and do it. No one cares. No one cares. Exposure. Yes, we're out the doorway. Okay, run the door. Patience, Miach. You can bite him later. <laughs> <laughs> you arrive at a stone doorway, beyond which you can see that is this is a smallish room carved into the bare rock. In the middle of this room is a stone plinth upon which an old dialect of Elven is used. On the other side of the, of the room, you can clearly see another dark portal. Huh. Well, uh, Drews at the back of the party is uh, in, struggling to look around people's bodies and over their shoulders and kind of maybe gently pushing a bit. That's my butt. Oh, yes, it is. Um, do you think maybe we can, I don't know, uh, get out of this tightly confined uh, corridor before uh, Moss and Carolyn start swinging their very large weapons? That's since not Moss a bad idea. At, since Moss at the front, he just goes through the archway. Without opening the door. Ah. So no, archway we see. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> if I can see what's on the other side, unless it's an invisible door. Yes, okay, carry on. Very fun. <laughs> Natalia will look along the walls for any sconces or um, torches. There are no brackets built into the walls. Just simply a plinth in the center of the room marked with the old dialect of Elven. Demetria will glance over the elven writing, seeing if she can decipher any of it. Unfortunately, the writing is covered in a thick layer of dust, but sweeping your hand across, the carving does still remain legible. Honor the fallen brave, for with valor their lives they gave. A glory that will never fade, we will remember. Hmm. Is this perhaps pertaining to the first time that the Shredai appeared? It seems rather apt for now. This is all very interesting, but I do not believe that we should wait here. I agree. We should continue on. The demon gathers its strength and must not be allowed to do so. Um, Druce, um, as everyone is, uh, is moving on Drusil uh, Terry behind and uh, dig into his pouch and uh, pull out an acorn and uh, place it on top of the plinth before moving on moving through the dark portal the company discovers themselves in a long corridor 
with many stone doorways leading off into tombs filled with the glorious dead. It seems that despite the demon hunter blacksmith's words, more than one encounter with the Shredai must have occurred, for there is no way that the dead would have been able to be pulled up from the bottom of the uh, quarry after it had been flooded. These must have come from other encounters. You count at least 50 or so dead bodies. Victor. Yes, my mistress. Uh, do they not have more of this bitter spite extract on them? I do not know. Uh, do we have any more of this bitter spite extract? Uh, yes. I believe we do. They do, my mistress. Maybe they, maybe they should have it handy, just in case. Yes, I agree. What she said. The undead, they are rising from the lake. Is it not possible that these dead might walk? It is entirely possible, yes. Gareth says, readying his warhammer. I say we hurry on before they have a chance to do so. I know the Shridai must be defeated, but I cannot help but hope we do not meet this same fate. Demetria muses as the butt of her spear makes a clinking sound along the ground as she uses it as a walking stick. Oh, I don't know. I, I, uh, I think uh, given the choice between being entombed forever at the bottom of a lake and being uh, laid out all, all nice and neatly and with honor and probably prayers and almost certainly tears, I... Druce is cut off. His words dangle in his mouth as the company arrives in the next room. This room, like the one before it, has but two entrances, that which we came through and that which is opposite. Yet around the room are eight statues. They are not of fine craftsmanship. They're not particularly great. The general gist of the features can be made out. Some have been made by a finer craftsman than others. But it's clear that they have been at least venerated. In the middle of the room is a plinth. It lists eight names, and at the bottom a notation. Those are sacrificed all, so that we at least have a chance. Is the elven. Two names ring truer than any other. The rest, the other six, are just gibberish. Demetria translates them both. Lady Caroline of House Raincourt. Roland Laurentia of House Dominus. 